The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. This is exciting. This is an exciting day. I want you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. Jesus is telling a story about uh, talents that have been given, and a master that goes away, gives them the talents, invests the talents, and then come back, and there's a day of accountability coming. So when, you know, look, uh, we are all on our way. We're moving down the road, and the king is coming. One way or another, we're going to be face-to-face with our Lord, and we will be giving an account of our lives. So let us, let us pray. Lord, we come before you, and I pray for help. I pray for divine revelation, that more than the transfer of information, this is your living word. Literally, these are your words. So may the church have ears to hear. May the bride have ears to hear what the Spirit would say to us and speak into our hearts Uh, Lord, may the seed be planted deeply of your promises, and may it grow, and may it bear fruit, the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and all of the fruit of the Spirit. In Jesus' mighty, wonderful name, amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to go through this quickly, but uh, kind of if you want to follow the outline that we passed out to you, the life lesson. So this is the application. I'd like to begin with the application because, look, we're going to go through the Bible, we go verse by verse, and we want to teach through the Word of God, uh, but it, ha- it has to be more than just going into our heads. The idea is that we will process it and let it also drift down into our hearts, and that it will change our lives. Amen? So the talents in this story represent opportunities to use our abilities for the kingdom of God. So beginning in verse 14, Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, to another he gave one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on his journey. This is not a strange idea to the ancient world. If you had, uh, you know, a, a master who has a large, uh, you know, ranch, if you want to call it, he has his agricultural fields, he has his animal uh, husbandry and various flocks and herds and cattle and sheep and goats and all the rest, of not unlike Abraham. And sometimes, you know, because we're talking about 2,000 years ago in Jesus' day, and you wanted to go meet family, friends, do more international business. When you went on a trip, it was going to be a long time. It's not like here where uh, actually you go to, a, you know, go to the airport, get on a plane, go across the country, spend a couple of days, and you come back. And you can, you can be back from you know, Florida back in a week. No, when they, got, you know, when they traveled, it was going to be a long time before they came back. So what a master would often do is he'd say, okay, the guy that oversees all of the agriculture, okay, here's what I'm seeing because I'm going to be gone for a whole year, let's say, and here's what I want you to do in the spring, here's what I'd like to plant this year, here's what I'd like you to start harvesting, here's how I'd like that to go, and then he would give him talents. Talents equals money. It's my money, I own it, but I'm entrusting it to you, so you need to invest 
I, I want you to go buy this seed, the good seed. I want you to invest in that. Get this, you know, equipment for the farms. And then to the animal guy, he would say, okay, we, uh, here's what I'm thinking is going to happen this year uh, with the cattle, and here's what we're going to be doing with the sheep, and I'd like him to go through, you know, this year, through the spring, through here, and the summer, through there, and, and he gives him some more talents, money. And then when I come back, I want to, you know, accountability of what you did. So that's what we see here. And whereas last week we told the story of the bridesmaids, the ten virgins, which are in our culture the ten bridesmaids. And the idea was that in a Jewish wedding, you don't know when the wedding's going to be. It's a surprise. Build suspense. Because only the father of the bridegroom gets to determine it, and he usually waits you know, until midnight to surprise the son and the daughter, his future daughter. So, um, so that, the idea was you've got to be ready. That was the purpose of the parable last week. But now, okay, we get it. So the master is kind of like the Lord. He's getting ready to go to, you know, he's going up to heaven, and he's going to come back. So what are we to do while we're waiting? We're ready, but what does he actually want us to do? So the application of the story is that between our lives right now and until we go to heaven, we are to use our talents, which I can apply as our resources, such as your time, your money, your abilities, uh, your sphere of influence. Every one of you have been given talents. And what the Lord is wanting to know with what he's given to you, what he's invested in you, is what are you doing with it? And what are you doing with it for him, not just for you? How many of you realize everything you have was given to you by God? Everything. We own nothing. And pride sometimes says, well, you know, I'm special or I am above and people try to hold on to their talents or their treasures. No, you ought to, you ought to have a light uh, touch on that and realize everything comes from God. You need to feel the weight of that accountability and that one day you're going to be standing before the Lord. So God gives different ones and different kinds. Now let's go to this next life lesson. Each one of us has a unique calling and capacity, because he gave one five, he gave another one two, and he gave another one one. And oftentimes we feel like, well, he must love the one that he gave five talents to more, and then kind of in the middle is the one he gave two talents to, and then the one he only gave one talent to, well, he's the least loved, but there he is. That is not true. So beginning in verse 16, Jesus continues uh, on in the story. So where's verse 16? Uh, he says, then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. So here's the, you know, different people who are given different talents. Um, and so the one with five, he gets it, he immediately goes out, starts putting it to work, starts investing it, multiplying it, and it grows to five. The one with two talents goes out, he starts using his, investing his, and he does the same. But then there's this third guy, and what he does uh, is he basically digs a hole and buries it. What I want to talk about is that sometimes when we look at one another, uh, we look at somebody that's got five talents, you know, th there's called, you know, uh, in some sports, the five, he's five tool. That means he can do everything. And then there are others that are less. 
So you look at your talents, and we, here's something that we as human beings all do. We compare ourselves with other people, right? How many of you would admit, honestly, here this morning in church, that every once in a while you compare yourself to other people and you don't come up that great, right? We all do it. If you're breathing, you're, you do it. And you, you look at, and then you start valuing, wow, why do they have more? Why do I have less? What does that say about them? Does God like them more, love them more? What does it say about me? So who am I? Does God really like me? Does he love me? And we compare ourselves with one another. Do not do this. That is a big no-no. Do not compare yourself with others. So right now, I want you to turn to somebody near you and say, today I stop comparing myself to others. Go around, turn around, say it, verbalize it, confess it, be honest and real about it. All right? <laughs> you, need to, you need to say it, verbalize it, get it out, and start walking in that, because we all do it, and we do it all the time. So here's what happens. Let's say somebody, you got, you got two talents. I can do this, and, I, and I'm good at it, and I like it, and then I got that. But I look over here, and, you know, here's a little princess, and she's got five. She can do this, and that, and this, and she has that, and you start comparing yourself, and, and you just start, you know, going down. Sometimes what happens when we compare ourselves, so if you're the one that's got two, and you look at the one, and you're jealous about the five, so you start walking over to try to look like, dress like, act like, be like, and have all the five. While you walk over here, you're no longer walking in your identity, you're not walking in your lane, you're not walking in your blessing, and you're not walking in your happy place. And you start trying to do all the five, and you attempt variously to do all five, and while you're doing it, you're totally stressed out, you don't like it, it doesn't make you happy, and you start burning out, and you're like, this is, I am miserable over here. Can I hear an amen on that? And sometimes the person that got five and they go, wow, you know what? I, I, I just got too much, you know? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give up this talent. I'm gonna give up that talent. I'm gonna let that resource go. And I'm just gonna go over here and be a humble, spiritual, you know, I got two and I do this and I do that. And they're miserable because they're not walking in all that God gave to them. Now I wanna say this to you. However God made you, if he gave you five, you will only be happy when you're using all the resources and abilities and gifts and blessings God's given to you. You don't need to super spiritualize, humble yourself and stop, giving, stop doing certain gifts and abilities God gave you. So now in the name of Jesus, if you gave up some out of some you know, super hyper spirituality or whatever guilt trip, you need to get back into your lane and be who you are. On the other hand, if you're two and you've been trying to keep up with and compete with the five, let it go. You could be over there and be a miserable person, but you're here and you do this and you love it and you thrive in it and you overflow in it. And then over here, I got this other one. And so I do that and it gives me balance and I have peace and I'm happy. And know this, God delights in you being you, in you being in your lane using what he gave to you. And if you had three more that you're stressed out about, he's not going to love you anymore for that. In fact, he is, as a father, going to go, no, that's not who you are. You don't have to do that. Stop putting yourself under all that guilt and pressure. I made you this way. I like you when you are truly, honestly, who you are, using the gifts and talents God's given you. It's okay. 
So the pressure is off, the stress is off, everybody gets to be who they are, and they're all loved equally. Can I hear an amen on that? (laughs) Embrace it, right? But the third servant hid his money in the ground. He did almost nothing with his master's money except bury it in the ground. He's like, well, I don't know, man. God gave me one. And I think I'm just going to bury it in the ground and dig a hole and leave it there and walk away. How many know that guy's got problems? He's got an attitude problem, right? Now, let me just say this. All 7 billion people on planet Earth have at least one gift and one talent. I don't care what nation, what language, what kindred, what tribe, what continent, all over the world, everyone, every human being, at least has this one talent. You are made in the image of God. You are made in the likeness of the image of God. God made man, both male and female, made he them. And in his own image and after his own likeness, he made them. And it's so rare, it's so beautiful, and it's so special, God's creation of you, that even the angels who were in existence before man ever came along looked down with awe at that creation as beautiful and variety of all kinds of angels, but they never seen anything like when God made man, Adam and Eve, in his own image and after his own likeness. That's a beautiful, precious gift and talent that God has given to each and every one of us, and we should never look down on it. Uh, that's, what, that's what the Lord wants to bless. So God gives us this. In the eyes of God, it is not the amount of gifts that we have, but our faithfulness to use what we have That is what is most important. All right, so let's go on to the next one, verses 19 through 23. The two qualities most important to the Lord are good and faithful. So beginning in verse 19, he says, After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So either we, you know, the Lord comes or we go to him. Either way, that day is coming. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, uh, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. All right, I love this. God wants us to be faithful in what we do and good and faithful. He, gives, he, he rewards each one according to what he has blessed them and given to them. But I want you to know this. So what's this all about? God gives us gifts, talents, resources. Okay, I I can see I got this. You have that. And so we're going through all of this stuff. And what, what is this all about? Gifts, talents, resources, abilities, and all that. It is, in one word, training. Everybody say training. You are now the servant of the master who has gone to heaven, but who is coming back on a day of accountability when he says, what did you do with everything that I gave to you? You have been in training. What are we training for? 
Uh, somebody just said it. Heaven. Say heaven. heaven. You are in training now for heaven. And right now you are a servant serving the master's ranch, which is the planet Earth. But guess what? They, for that season, were servants. But when he came back, and those who had multiplied it, and he said, good and faithful servant, now you've been faithful with a few things. Now I will make you a what? Ruler. You're not a servant who did a good job in these things. Now I'm going to make you a servant with a lot more jobs. You were a servant in training. You're actually a royal son, a royal daughter of the king. I have more than what's here. I've got an empire and a kingdom of angels and all kinds of things you haven't seen. And if you've been faithful as a servant, I'm going to share with you my empire. I'm going to share with you my kingdom. And I'm going to share with you my authority to rule in that realm. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's a much, it's an elevation. It is a much bigger deal. We're being trained now for what we're going to be able to do there and to do it for all of eternity. He did not say, well done, good and brilliant servant. It is not well done, good and distinguished servant, but it is well done, good and faithful servant. Say the word faithful. faithful. Say, Lord, help me be faithful. I want to be a faithful child of God. I want to be a faithful servant. And I want to make you proud of me. Amen? Amen. So now, then he says, I'm going to make you ruler over many things. And then he says, enter into the joy of the Lord. He doesn't say, now you're going to enter into a whole new realm of personal joy. Ah, no, 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 no. No, this is a divine joy. This is a supernatural joy. When you, you know what heaven, you know why heaven explodes with joy? It's the joy of the Lord. Because that realm, the kingdom, heaven, the atmosphere of heaven, this is why when, you're going to have to get a new body to be able to even exist in heaven because this one would literally explode. The power, the presence, the glory, the vibration, the energy, the life, the spirit of heaven is like every cell in your body exploding. So you got to get a new body just to handle. It's the joy of the Lord. You enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen? And it's an amazing joy, an incredible joy, a beautiful joy, a supernatural joy, an eternal joy. So let's be good and faithful now as servants so we can enter into the joy of the Lord. Now, let's wrap this up here with the last few verses. This is the attitude that loses everything. We're going to, Jesus focuses in on the third guy that had one talent that buried it in the ground. So beginning in verse 24, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money, at least, with the banks. 
And at my coming, I could have received back my own with a little bit of interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he, he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whoa, that seems pretty radical or pretty harsh. What is going on here? Guess where the place is he's talking about where there is nothing but weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a, that's a way of describing hell. So what does this mean? What, what's going on here? It, this is describing someone, okay, here's the, at least all human beings have this one talent. You're made in the image of God. Sin has separated us, but God has made a way for us to be reconciled again. And he wants you to be born again. And he wants you to be born in the spirit so that he can have a relationship with you and love you and bless you and give you all the stuff that he wants to give you for all of eternity. But there are some people that they, they, they take that and they notice what he did. I think that I put it in there. We can say this of the third servant, that he didn't think, he didn't work, he didn't even try, and he made excuses. He blamed everybody else for his own lack. He probably blamed, you know, it's because my life is miserable and I'm not happy. It's my dad's fault. He raised me this way and he treated me this way. You know what? And it's my mom's fault or it's both of their fault. You know, my brothers and sisters, they never treated me right either. Come to think of it, I went to this job and then I, they did this to me and then I went to that job and they did that to me and they're all, and I reject all of them too. And then my neighbors, I don't like them, and I don't like the people that I work with, and I pretty much don't like anybody. <laughs> and you know, God, if there is a God, he should have made me different or made the world different. He's got all power, and he's kind of admitting, I know you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. You're omnipotent and all-powerful, but no, and I, was, I, I know that you're a harsh man. He's judging God, who's trying to be loving. He gave him the talent. So he separates himself from his creator, doesn't have a father relationship with God, separates himself from his spouse, separates himself from his children, then he separates himself from everybody that he works with on a daily basis, then he's kind of away from his neighbors, and the next thing you know, if you keep rejecting, 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 and you got that attitude, you're all alone. And when you're all alone and you take that image of God and you separate it from God your father, see, this is what hell is. Hell is you judging everybody else, blaming everybody else, never entering into relationship, which you were made for, but, but it's, it breaks God's heart. But in the end, you end up all alone. It's a kingdom where it's only you, about you, you've made yourself your own little God, and you're in darkness, and you're alone, and you're empty, cranky, miserable, with a bad attitude, and God says, for all of eternity, have at it. It didn't have to be that way. You could, at any moment, you can open, you know, he's knocking on the door, opening the door, and then he invites in love. That's the healing of the human being is when they don't live in their own heads, on their own strength, and they say, I can't, I'm miserable alone. I need my father, and boom, light comes into you. Presence, the Holy Spirit. You and I were made and designed to have the Holy Spirit within us. So really, I, I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, hell is locked from the inside. They don't want light. They don't want love. They don't want to be with other people. They don't want to get along with a family. They don't even want to connect with their God. They want to be all alone. And in the end, God gives them exactly what they want. So it's a sad and tragic thing. So do not do that. Do not judge yourself. Do not put yourself down. 
but be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So you, you then can talk to yourself. Uh, look, who, so why? Okay, I am not happy. What's going on? Lord, I need you. So here's what I want you to do. Look up here. We're going to keep your eyes open. I'm going to lead you in a little thing here. Uh, Lord, I need you. I don't want to live alone. I don't want to live in my own head with my own thoughts in my own strength and in my own power. I want relationship. I need my father. I need my brothers. I need my sisters. I need my family. I need friends. I need brothers and sisters. And I welcome relationship. And I welcome your kingdom. And I want to walk in your light. And I want to stop judging myself, putting pressure on myself, and comparing myself. I'm done. I'm who you made me to be. I am your child. I am highly favored. I am royally chosen. I am the apple of your eye. You delight in me. And I'm good with that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right? Okay. So guess what? I just had you talk to yourself. You say, well, Pastor, that seems kind of weird. What's that all about? Let me tell you something. I learned something from, and I learned this, that sometimes we do need to talk to ourselves. Sometimes you, you, you can be the best counselor led by the Holy Spirit and the actual truth in God's Word. You know where I learned it from? A guy named David, King David. Read the Psalms. They should be a daily devotion. The Psalms. Because David talked to himself a lot. Why are you discouraged? Why are you dispirited within you? You shall yet praise the Lord again. He was talking to himself. He was saying, don't listen to the lies in your head. Don't follow the accusations in your heart. David, reject those. You can trust God. He is not done with you. He's not finished with you. The plan has not fully unfolded. Trust in the Lord as he has done good in the past. He will yet deliver you in the future. Amen? So we can pray and invite the Lord into our lives in that way. So, um, so sadly, the guy ends up all alone. So I want to ask you, what are you doing with what God has given you? Are you using your time, your money, your talents, and bearing fruit for the kingdom of heaven? That's what we're to be doing between now and then. Okay, I want to close with just a few minutes. I only have a few minutes with the Cyrus anointing. Last week I talked about the Cyrus mandate. I want to now add the Cyrus anointing. And it, and it comes, starts with Isaiah chapter 44, verse 28. Let's read it out loud. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built and to the temple your foundation shall be laid. Now that prophecy was written, by the way, Cyrus was not a you know, believing uh, leader, a king of, of ancient Persia. And by the way, ancient Persia is modern day Iran. Now this prophecy was written 150 years before Cyrus was born. So 150 years later, Cyrus becomes the king of Persia, and Jewish people, according to Josephus, the Jewish historian, Jewish people came up to Cyrus, who now kind of controlled the biggest empire in the world and had conquered Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, hey, uh, 
Our God prophesied about you through our prophet Isaiah 150 years ago, and he says that now you're his shepherd and you're supposed to help rebuild our city, Jerusalem, and lay the foundations of the temple. And Cyrus said, really? Your God knows me? Yeah, it's right here. He, he even has your name 150 years before you were born. And Cyrus said, I'm, I'm going to do it. So he sent and gave a command, I want Jerusalem rebuilt. And then he said, and I want their temple rebuilt. Their God knows who I am. <laughs> and not only that, he gave money to rebuild the temple. Now, so that's the Cyrus mandate, is to establish Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. But I want to go on to the next verse and add the Cyrus anointing. Isaiah 45, verse 1. It says, thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held. Now, the word anointed there, in the Hebrew word is Mashiach. In English, that word is Messiah. So now, is that blowing your mind right now? What? Cyrus, a Messiah? The word Messiah, when we say, you know, Jesus is the Messiah, it means the anointed one. But his anointing was as the Savior of the world. But there are other anointings that come from God. And there are some that are governmental. And that God says, I pick you and I choose you. It'd be like God going to the leader of Iran and saying, hey, buddy, I called you by name. I want you to build Jerusalem and I want you to give money to rebuild the Jewish temple. Would that be mind blowing? That's what it was like. And he was called and he was anointed. Now, what I want to share with you and I shared last week, but I want to show it again. In 2016, there's a reconvened Sanhedrin. Uh, in Israel, like there was a Sanhedrin 2,000 years ago, kind of as a leadership. And so look, not everybody in the Jewish world accepts this Sanhedrin. I I've well said before that, you know, in Israel they say if you have two Jews, you will have three opinions. Uh, it's amazing how independent everybody can be. But those who still, these guys say, no, we're the Sanhedrin, we need a Sanhedrin in Israel, and they actually uh, made a coin called the Cyrus coin. The menorah is from the temple, and the, the guy in the back, that's a picture from ancient uh, whatever graphics and so forth of Cyrus 2,600 years ago. But then the Sanhedrin wrote a letter, and the, and the guy next to Cyrus from 2,600 years ago is our president, Donald Trump, is on this coin. You can look it up, the Cyrus President Trump coin. And, um, and there it is. And so they wrote a letter to President Trump, and they wrote a letter to President Vladimir Putin, and they said, you too, we believe, as observant following Jews, are called to be the Cyrus of our generation. Help establish Jerusalem as the capital, and then help us rebuild the temple. Here's the back of the coin. It's a picture of what? That's the temple. And you know they're getting ready for the temple in Israel right now, that, that Sanhedrin has just selected a high priest. They said, we are ready. The moment we are given notice, we're ready to go and start sacrificing and get things going within two weeks. And by the way, I want you to know I have a Cyrus coin right here. After the service come up, I'll let you hold it and you can look at it and see that it's real. Because I saw that, heard about it. I went online and I told my dad, man, I'd like to have one of those. And he said, oh, okay. And then he, he bought one, like I think for Christmas. And there it is. There's President Trump. And, and there is Cyrus. And there is the temple on the back. Now, let me just say this because I said it last week. I am not, 
I am narrowly, this Cyrus mandate, Cyrus anointing, I'm not talking about him as president in America and what he's doing in America and the whole politics of America. That's another issue over here. I am narrowly, narrowly, because I believe this Cyrus mandate, Cyrus anointing is only about Israel and about Jerusalem and ultimately about the temple. That's all I'm looking at. And by the way, I wanted to say to all of you something that I think is very true. When a real deeply conservative person sometimes look at Jesus, he can seem at times extremely liberal. And if you are a liberal and you look at Jesus, sometimes he can be extremely conservative. So what I want to say is you can't put Jesus in a box. And... I want to say that God, God gave a dream and communicated directly to Pharaoh of Egypt. Why? Because it related to millions of his people that he was getting ready to go on a journey to get going back home. So he communicated to Pharaoh. He did the same thing with the king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. He gave that guy a dream, a supernatural dream. Not because he was a believer, but because he ruled the world and he had power. And so the same thing is that God chooses whom he wants, when he wants, to accomplish what he wants in his own way, in his own timing. So this is where we're at. <laughs> Look, I know this, this is going to make some people's heads spin. It's going to be collusion, collusion, whatever, you know. But I'm just, and I'm not even saying, this isn't like Christians saying, I'm talking about what the Jewish people who believe in Bible and Bible prophecy, they believe Israel came in together as a nation. They believe that Jerusalem has been recognized uh, in fulfillment of prophecy. And they are now saying the very next thing is the temple. They're the ones who wrote a letter to President Trump and to Vladimir Putin saying, help us rebuild the temple. And this is ultimately where it is all going. Rabbi Weiss, who is the spokesman for the Sanhedrin, said this, we are poised to rebuild the temple. The political conditions today in which the two most powerful national leaders in the world support the right or support the Jewish right to Jerusalem as their spiritual inheritance is unprecedented. And what I want to do is leave you with this last scripture. So we're not just watching this as spectators, but Isaiah chapter 49, verse 22, this is why the church has a role to play. We are not on the sidelines. We're to be engaged in it. So read with me Isaiah 49, 22. This is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I will beckon to the Gentiles... I will lift up my banner to the peoples. They will bring your sons in their arms and carry your daughters on their shoulders. What does this mean? God is saying in the last days, I'm going to take a banner. It's like a flag. I'm going to start waving that flag in the heavens to get the attention of Gentiles, not just Gentiles, but believers. He's talking about the church. Gentile believers are the church. And he's going, hey, Christians. You, I'm doing, yes, I'm doing it. Yes, you're living in biblical times. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> he literally, because there were two million uh, Jews in, in Russia and just a few years ago, he collapsed the Soviet empire. Why? One of the major prophetic reasons is over a million Russian Jewish people came home to the land. I'm telling you, God is in charge of every place and every country and politically and geopolitically. We got to look through the lens of the Bible, not through our local whatever. This is what God is doing. And God is waving and he's saying, hey, Gentile believers, church, help me. 
I want you to participate. So that's why we started the Nehemiah Fund. We're not just watching God bring the Jews back, but we helped participate in bringing like this precious young Carolina to go back home. We've been involved in it. We're engaged in it. And literally through your gifts. So that's why, look, if God puts it on your heart, and I believe it's an invitation, it's not a you have to at all. But if he puts it on your heart and you'd like to step into the story, don't just read the story, hear about the story, and clap about the story in the stands of the church. But I want to step into the story, help. You can write a check to Maranatha Chapel, put in the memo, Nehemiah Fund, and you can actually be part of this great thing that God is doing to bring his people home. Listen, here's what's exciting about it. Israel is likened to a fig tree, and the reason it's a fig tree is it bears the first fruits. What God is doing prophetically in Israel, fulfilling prophecy, are the first fruits of the entire kingdom of heaven coming finally to the earth, and we get to participate in it. Amen? Woo! Hallelujah. So, here's the deal. We're, 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 the world is in some labor right now. And by the way, if this thing moves forward, let alone now they're doing the peace deal of the century, and if that begins moving forward, the next thing will be the temple. So is this it? I believe that it is. But, you know, how many women here have had babies before? Let me just see. Raise your hands. Okay, you can put them down. How many of you, before you had the final labor, had what they call Braxton Hicks? It was like, started, but it wasn't really, and then, you know, okay, so... What, what's happening in the world right now? I don't, is this Braxton Hicks or is this the deal? You know what I'm saying? But all I want to say is this. Even if it's just Braxton Hicks, it's still, you're in the third trimester. It's coming soon. It's a sign that the big one is on the way. The baby is on the way. The kingdom is on the way. Get ready. Look up. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.